This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, friends. This is Josie from Speaking in Church, the podcast you are currently listening to. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about my favorite current thing right now, which is Anchor. Anchor is a free podcasting platform. Um, It's the easiest way to make a podcast. This dummy, yours truly, set it up real quick. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, which, hello, talk about easy. You don't have to be some professional computer person, which is dope. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and literally wherever else you want to put it. Uh, You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, which, you know, some of us are just not going to get a million people listening, which is fine. Um, It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you want to make your own podcast about literally anything like the two of us, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. I'm Josie. And I'm Spencer. And today we are joined by the amazing Laura Lacombe. Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Frick yes. I did it. Um, she is a super dope writer and she went to Azusa Pacific University with us. Shocker. <laughs> Where she studied global studies. She's one of the last ones that had that major at APU. It is no longer available. Sorry about it. Um, but she is here today to tell us her incredible story so without further ado laura welcome to the pod thank you hello everyone hello (laughs) so excited to have you should i (laughs) (laughs) go ahead with that yeah yeah just you know so how about i ask you a question i know podcast interviews are super awkward but i get it Uh, Laura, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? And yeah, let's start with your story, just first and foremost. All right. So I guess I'll start with the churchy stuff. Um, I grew up in the evangelical church, um, specifically EV Free, if that means anything to anyone. Um, Like, it could be more conservative, but women can't be pastors. That's normally how I describe it. And it's very white. Um, so I was in that since I was really young, did all the things, um, BBS and Wednesday nights and that, you know, youth group when I got older and the mission trips and all the very typical white evangelical things to do. Um, and by the time I graduated high school, I wanted to be a missionary in the very white savior colonial sort of way. Um, And so that's why I chose um, Azusa Pacific because I wanted the Christian um, perspective. And then 
when the admissions counselor told me about global studies, I was like, oh, how perfect. I get to like not even be on campus half the time. So that's what led me there. So I was in evangelical culture, obviously all through APU. And then after APU, I also attended um, an evangelical church. And then I chose an evangelical seminary. Um, so, so it's only until very recently when I decided to switch churches and um, switch seminaries that I have finally more so exited that world. Um, and I guess in context for today, <laughs> that, I mean, of course, there's so much more, but I left um, mostly because I started reconciling my sexuality and my faith and just realizing that I'm queer and didn't want to be in those spaces anymore. Um, and so that's where I'm at now um, as far as my church background goes that's about it (laughs) in summary (laughs) yeah so you went from poster child of white saviorism (laughs) in an evangelical world to realizing you were queer and saying fuck it I'm gonna switch (laughs) seminaries I'm gonna leave this church that I'm assuming because it's evangelical does not like the gays (laughs) (laughs) yes and now you're here what I know you touched on your journey but what has that journey been like from the beginning have you always like suspected did you just ignore it were you one of those ones that were like I'm not gonna practice I'm gonna be celibate type of people (laughs) you know there's a full spectrum I want to know where you are on that spectrum (laughs) yeah I think it's interesting too, because as I've listened to countless hours of other people's stories, um, it's hard not to compare, which is why I think also more stories are also helpful. Cause I think the story that I hear the most is like for Christians is like realizing really young, um, that like you're different or you're gay or your gender doesn't like match, um, what you are assigned but and then you do like the wrestling of can god love me but that's definitely not my experience and I think there's a lot of reasons for that um what is like the I actually I started thinking this one time when I listened to your episode on purity culture I was just thinking about the way that you know because of course I was affected as a woman but then also the way that LGBTQ people are affected by purity culture is pretty intense because it sets out these really strict like heteronormative um like standards and gender roles that and so what I like to say is that (laughs) purity purity culture was so busy teaching me like how to act and how to dress that I didn't have any space to even ask myself if I was attracted to boys um and so it just kind of never came to my mind and it's interesting looking back of course because things make more sense um I have like a journal entry from my freshman year of high school where I'm like oh I'm like what did I say something like oh I'm nervous of like having relationships with boys I always avoid hugging them like if I get a boyfriend, I'm going to have to like take it really slow and then just like (laughs) moved on with my life and thought nothing of it. (laughs) And so I just think like, 
and I think another example of purity culture is like I my first kiss with this guy that I like very briefly dated I told my youth group about it uh, like my small group and I told the leader and she's like oh how was it and I told her I didn't like it (laughs) she said good and I was like thinking about that recently I'm like oh my god like of course she said good because I was like that's what you're supposed to do and to be like you're not supposed to want to like make out with your boyfriend you're not supposed to want to have sex which came up later when I had a long-term relationship where I was like but like when you're not supposed to do those things anyways I like that gave me the freedom to ignore it even though I know like subconsciously I knew for so much longer um I'll probably never know how long but (laughs) Uh instead of questioning like why didn't I like this they were like good job yeah you should like it (laughs) nice you it is well with your soul you're pure so basically (laughs) you were the poster child for purity culture that's so true (laughs) so fully repressed that you had no idea (laughs) okay but that's actually that's actually crazy to think about that there are queer people Mm -hmm. that were so that are so repressed that they believe that they're like the standard of purity culture like I'm doing so well spiritually because I don't like this and I don't want this yeah Yeah. you have no like suspect like oh I really don't it's really easy for me not to have sex with my boyfriend (laughs) it's real real easy (laughs) no really I had in because I so I dated a guy for like two and a half years for which was most of college and I remember one of my friends who had a long-term boyfriend she was like oh are you ever like in a situation who was also a Christian like not having sex and she's like oh are you ever like in a space where you're together and you're like oh I could totally just have sex right now and I remember being like no like (laughs) (laughs) but still I didn't like I don't know I just didn't put pieces together but obviously something in me knew um I asked my at the end of our relationship I like asked my ex if he was attracted to men and when he told me no I remember being like perplexed I think just like perplexed at being straight I don't know and but again I never was like why am I asking him that in the first place like what am I expecting um not long after that I told a friend like oh I think like I'm physically attracted to women, but not romantically. And I didn't think that was gay. <laughs> just a did little you, bit. Did, a you little gay. Ask, did you ask him if he was attracted to men because you thought it was because you thought that's why it was so easy to like not want to have sex because maybe he wasn't attracted to you? No, I don't think so. I, You're like, just wondering. Yeah. Like, yeah. That so one really what, would, me. what would spark? <laughs> That's when I'm like, what would spark that question? Like, were you kind of like, oh, maybe he's gay, not me? I think this is just um, hypotheticals. I also have a pretty bad memory. Um, and obviously there's a lot of repression going on. But I, my theory is that I just knew in myself that, like, if he had asked me the same and the opposite, I wouldn't have been able to say no. But it just, like, wasn't... I don't know. Yeah, it was so below the surface, which is a big part of, I think, for me, where, like, the, like, pinpoint of pain is, like, all the cognitive dissonance, um, which comes more later, I think. Once I was aware of the cognitive dissonance a little more, it got worse, but 
yeah, there's a lot of confusing stuff going on. Oh my god. Um, I... Where do I even go from there? Um... <laughs> well, I mean, there's a million places to go, right? Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I love your story because it's not, not that I don't love dramatic stories, but it's not very dramatic. <laughs> I love dramatic stories, but it's very like, oh, hmm. <laughs> I'm gay. Here I am. After all these years, I'm just like, wait a minute. But that's also an effect of being in the evangelical church, mm-hmm. right? You're so brainwashed. You're so told to be a certain way that a lot of the times we don't even think it's possible to be anything else or anyone Mm -hmm. else. And it's like, I remember when I first started my own sexual awakening, um, (laughs) I was in this deep shame about wanting to have sex and I didn't have a boyfriend and I wasn't interested in having a boyfriend, but obviously we all have our own sexual desires and I was so fueled with shame that one day I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Time to be a hoe. And by hoe, I mean having monogamous sexual partners over the course of four years in college. Three total. Like one <laughs> one every 1.25 years. Uh, <laughs> and I was a hoe. And my friends would have talks with me about, Josie, what are you doing? Like, you're ruining your spirit. You're ruining your soul. Josie, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, feel great i feel liberated Mm -hmm. i love my body granted that is not what most people should do you know most people should not go around being a hoe because you know anyways it's not the best decision whatever works (laughs) yeah but i had to really break through that barrier of oh i've always learned in church that any sex outside of marriage is bad Mm -hmm. don't do it and it was a huge it was a huge leap for a lot of people outside of the church maybe it sounds like it yeah just have sex whatever dude who cares <laughs> sex is sex but for those of us who grew up in it you're just like oh my god what are we gonna do yeah we're all yes. brainwashed dude deeply yeah <laughs> even post deconstruction we're all brainwashed mm-hmm. so uh after you broke up with your ex that was still while you were in college then or was that like end of college breakup sort of thing um yeah that was the last that was my last semester and then I like stayed a semester over the summer um Mm -hmm. to finish early because I was trying to get out of there (laughs) so yeah that was the end of college so you so then you came out like to other people after college then like post-college like what does that look like is that still a process yeah, I still didn't even know, like, when I graduated. Um, I mean, obviously, subconsciously, I did. I literally told my friend I was <laughs> attracted to women. I just didn't think it was gay. Um, so, I don't know. So, I started, I left APU. I went back to Long Beach, where I grew up, and I started going. This is going to be a really roundabout answer to your question. But, so, I started going to the new church, and I assumed they were not affirming, um, but I also thought I was just like an overly invested ally, which has how a lot of us start out. <laughs> um, and so I was like, well, it's fine. Like they have all these other good things like community involvement and stuff. So I'll just like have that conversation with people there, which I did. Um, and there, that was also around the time when things blew up at APU um, when the they were like, this is gonna be a horrible summary, but you know, when they were like, oh, 
same-sex relationships are not going to be criminalized yeah they they basically said like you we don't condone them but you won't get in trouble for them anymore Mm -hmm. because you used to get in trouble as a college adult for being gay yes Mm -hmm. god almighty (laughs) and then they said jk that was a mistake to say that um because we want that money yes actually money yes Um, and so that was around the same time and again overly invested ally and so I had already graduated but I was there that weekend and was like participating in like what was going on and supported the community and stuff and I that's where my one pride plug that I have is from I still have it which that should have been assigned to I literally kept it for years <laughs> um, yeah I don't know and so I started the first I don't know, the most in-depth questioning I had where I would say, like, because most people have, like, a coming out to themselves and then, like, to close people and then, it, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, it's, like, pretty much never a one-time event. And so I started questioning things pretty intensely when, since I was at a non-affirming church and since I wanted to push the conversation forward, I was like, well, I need to know what I'm talking about because I kind of was like emotionally affirming before I was theologically affirming which I know people will like think is horrible because (laughs) you're like supposed to quote-unquote like do things logic first feelings later and those are supposed to be separate but I think that God gave me my feelings so (laughs) I followed my feelings first and was like this I think is wrong and then, but I was like, but I'm talking to these people who have gone to seminary or done whatever else. And so I bought like six books um, on, some of them were like really in-depth theological books and others were stories of LGBTQ people. I shouldn't say that actually, it was just, of, um, I think they were all gay. Um, there was a lack of diversity and it was mostly focused on sexuality, not on gender identity. Um, where am I going with this? Oh, so I started reading those books and that's when I <laughs> really like was questioning things like all by myself. That's when it's like a battlefield in your head sort of situation where it's like, okay, well now I'm digging into this and now I have this like battle going on in my head of like what I'm supposed to, like who I'm supposed to be and who I am. And then there's also like trying to listen to your body when in Christianity, you're taught to not listen to your body and to not trust your body or your feelings and you're inherently sinful and deceitful. And that's how Satan comes and gets you and drags you to hell. So (laughs) that's like a really, really hard process um, to do something like that and to reconcile those things when we weren't taught to do that um so I mean the first people I told was about a year ago um and I basically just was like oh I'm like questioning things and then like as time went on I got more certain um quarantine helped me think a lot um and there was also just things where it was like I was feeling the pain of being in that environment um even though I hadn't like accepted in my brain that I was queer I was feeling the pain of it 
um, if that makes sense. So that was confusing, but yeah. And then I like came out, I've come out to my family. Um, and this is me telling anyone else who doesn't know yet, because I haven't had a conversation with them and I don't plan to. <laughs> I fully admire because I knew that we knew that you were coming out on this podcast, right? Like, we knew that this is that, which, by the way, what an honor, what a privilege. <laughs> yes, um, like, we definitely shed some tears together. <laughs> That's her and I. When, when Josie told me, she sent me like a little screenshot of like you being like, I like really enjoy the podcast and I like think I want to do this. Like, I was just like, Josie, like, I can't even like, just like again, like so humbling and honored and like so grateful that you would invite us into this space with you. Like I can't say that enough. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, here's why I think that I um get emotional about this, right? And I'm not a very emotional person, as our listeners would come to know. And anybody who knows <laughs> me, right? I'm a badass bitch. But um <laughs> I cry a little too and <laughs> Um, it's emotional for me because I remember when one of my best friends came out to me, we were sitting on like some swings in a park in Downey, California, you know, the worst place in the world. And (laughs) he told me that he was, you know, gay and I, and he was so nervous about it. And I knew it was because I went to church and I was a Christian. And at that time I was not as progressive and I remember mm-hmm. my heart breaking that he was so nervous because he thought that I would love him less because he was gay and I was a Christian. And it, I never had that like wrestling with like, oh my gosh, are we still going to be friends? What do I do? Oh my God. I never had that. I was like, and I still love you. And that's it. And that was for me the time, like the catalyst for not thinking that gay people are going to hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so going from that to creating a space where someone like you um would be willing to come out come out on our podcast is so full circle for me and so (laughs) I don't know I have a lot of homophobes in my family that I uh try not to talk to about homosexuality because I get real heated (laughs) (laughs) real heated (laughs) and so I want to go back to uh, the theology part where you said that you've had the feelings first. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us have feelings first. And I subscribe to the Wesleyan quadrilateral, <laughs> which has experience wrapped up in there. And a lot of times people are like, oh, well, the Bible that was translated by these specific people from a language that they may or may not understand fully say that gay people are going to hell when you have all these new like scholars that are rereading the text with a different lens right and they're like well you know homosexuality wasn't actually a word in the greek and blah 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 blah. and either way it's like this rabbit hole of like well who are these people to tell me that when they constructed the bible that gay people should go to hell right it's like but then there's also the spirit we talk about the holy spirit and we talk about god speaking through us and we have these especially as evangelicals we have these really emotional like worship services and all these like holy spirit fueled things but god forbid that the lord give you some revelation through your feelings Mm -hmm. that maybe gay people aren't going to hell maybe it's just fine maybe love is love yeah that's one thing that i appreciate i only took one class last semester in seminary it was a new testament class um but one thing that 
I think was a helpful realization for me was when I was reading Acts, and I'm going to summarize this poorly, but in Acts 10, when Peter like gets a vision, basically God's like, you know, Peter's worried about food being like clean or unclean. And God's basically like, no, don't worry about it. And, you know, Acts is so much about like welcoming in Gentiles and reimagining what the kingdom of God looks like. And so when I read that now with a further understanding of myself, I definitely saw LGBTQ people in that. And I feel like there's a similar narrative happening for us where we're in tune with the spirit like we're supposed to be. And we're, I don't know, like when God gives gifts, um, who are other people to deny them? And that's the same with women. Um, and so I think that's, I just kind of like made that connection. Like God was like, hey, look, where I gave the spirit to the Gentiles. I gave the spirit to these people that you didn't expect me to. And so I feel like God's saying the same thing now. Uh, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Spencer, you're a very knowledgeable young woman. <laughs> What do you think? Um, I think, well, also just sort of like a full circle moment because, um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't raised Christian. I became a Christian when I was a teenager and I had a friend in middle school through high school, our beginning of freshman year of high school. Um, I was like, just got baptized, like on fire for Jesus. (laughs) And, um, he told me he was gay and I did not handle it well. And I instantly was like, oh my gosh, but like the Bible says this. And like, aren't you worried Mm. about like going to heaven? And it, and he rightfully so was like, if you're this high, you're going to treat me. Like, I don't want to be your friend and kind of like dropped me. And I was so broken from that because I had this deep sense, like instantly after the conversation just had this sort of like moment of like, this feels wrong. Like Mm -hmm. it feels wrong of what I did and why I tried to defend it and wrestling through that. And literally six months later, um, I got a new friend and he had just moved to our high school. He was a transfer student and we became best friends. And then like, two weeks later he tells me he's gay and it was almost like God being like you gonna screw this up too or like what are we gonna do and just being like no like okay like that's cool whatever and we walked through high school together and he was my absolute best friend and my family loved him and he was out and open at school and with my family and through all of that exactly what you said like the emotions came first of like loving Mm -hmm. and being in community with somebody changes everything because you have that experience and then going to APU and I got a degree in ministry so taking bible and theology classes and I'll never forget um my junior year at APU I was in this uh discipleship class and we were watching like this documentary and it brought up about like gay people and like ministering to them and um the and there was kids like I could hear them behind me at the table like talking about things and being like yeah like that's wrong like there's no way around it like that kind of thing and like I waited till everybody left the classroom and I like told the professor I was like I need to wait here till everybody leaves and everybody left and he closed the door and I burst into tears I was like we need to have a conversation Mm -hmm. right now because my 
I question everything because I feel in my spirit that this is wrong to say that they're not welcome in the kingdom or they need to be changed. And Mm -hmm. he took the time to go verse by verse and teach me things of like, listen, like, yeah, like the Bible may say this about homosexuality, but the context of like, they're talking about pedophilia. They're talking about rape. They're talking about people in this Roman culture, taking advantage of like young men and young boys. Like Mm -hmm. that's not the same as two consenting adults who are in love and who are serving each other and are serving God. Like that's so different. And I remember just being in this space of like, oh, okay. Like that makes a lot of sense. And exactly kind of what you said of having these, this guilty feeling because of my feelings and uh, this professor just being like, no, you don't feel guilty about that because exactly what I said earlier, like being in community with these people totally changes the concept. And that's what Jesus is all about. Being in community with these people changes how you act, how you feel, how you experience things. And that kind of just set the trajectory of after that, being able to be a confident ally, because I think all of my friends knew that I, that I was an ally and that I, um, you know, was like affirming and they could be with me, but it was also one of those of like, oh, but I'll keep it on the DL for you. Like Mm -hmm. nobody has to know, you know? And I think sometimes at APU, that was a good thing because unfortunately they needed somewhere to feel safe. But then as the older we got and now into the quote unquote real world, like they don't need that anymore. And so I am in a place where, okay, yeah, like I don't want to be quiet about it anymore either then because like there's never going to be a totally safe space if they have to hide, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I don't know, that was kind of a tangent, like, but yeah, just my thought about the biblical context of what yeah. has been used to oppress LGBTQ people needs to be looked at. And mm-hmm. also something I just say a lot now is um, Christians are obsessed with sex, especially, obsessed. especially uh, gay sex. Like, yeah. <laughs> honestly, like they just are I'm a little curious to me. <laughs> They're just obsessed with what people are doing in their free time sexually and I think that needs to be addressed too oh 100 percent. like how many of us have parents who are like especially us married folk like when is the baby coming it's like are you asking me when I'm having sex with my partner right now do you want me to give you a little calendar invite for my sexual you know plan life or whatever like but it's even so much more than that and going back to um going back to what Laura said about purity culture and like queer people almost being like this standard of purity culture because like if they're abstaining then they're put on this pedestal of like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. like you're following the like god's will but then but then as soon as it enters this conversation of okay yeah i'm not having sex because maybe i'm gay all of a sudden it's Mm -hmm. like discredited of like oh well then sucks to be you like you're not following Mm -hmm. the rules yeah and one thing that I always bring up in conversation, and I, I think it's a fair parallel that I don't think a lot of people think about, of not that it's like, not that it's not looked down on, but I think they get a slide of if, if a couple came to your church that were living together, but weren't married, they, you, they, you knew they were having sex, you would not treat them the same way as if gay people came to your church that were 
celibate, but we're in a committed relationship, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like if a lesbian couple came to the church and said, we're remaining, like we're remaining abstinence till marriage. Like we really want to save ourselves till marriage. Like we're engaged. Like we serve on Sunday morning every, like, we know, like the typical good Christian, but because they're lesbian or gay or transgender, there's this lens over them of instantly, like something is wrong. You need to change. Like you're lesser than versus straight people that are quote unquote, breaking the rules, get this sort of pass. And I'm just like, okay, this is the biggest, like, we need to talk about this. This needs to change. And here's my thing is at what cost, right? At what cost are you doing this to people? At what cost are you alienating gay people from the church when you could disagree about whether gay people are going to heaven? You could disagree about the theology, about the context, but to make somebody feel so unloved that they don't even follow god in any way that you would deem heaven worthy you lost that soul like Mm -hmm. you could you got you both could have taken it up with the man upstairs at the end of eternity but instead you decided to alienate them from the get-go and never even give them a chance of salvation that you believe in like you don't even because you think it's icky if you because you think that gay sex is gross you don't even want to give people the chance at salvation. You don't want to give people that are different than you a chance to be in your community because you don't understand them because you don't understand Greek enough to go read the Bible yourself. Yeah, I actually, that's one of the things that I said to my mom when we had like an initial, the initial conversation of me coming out to them was because, and I get the fear, um, of people who love me and think that I can be like going astray and going to hell um, in the way that they think hell exists. Um, I get that. But, and there's also that, like I mentioned earlier, like it's like Satan's always trying to deceive us. And so that's why you don't trust your feelings. And, but the way I see it is like what you just said is like, okay, yeah, maybe Satan's deceiving me and other LGBTQ people that feel that they don't need to be celibate or dress and act and like express their gender a certain way um maybe but also think about the consequences and to me all of those people that turned away from I'm gonna say from God because I think turning away from Christianity is not the worst thing ever but turning away from any form of God um sounds a lot more like Satan to me than Mm -hmm. the alternative like wouldn't Satan want if I mean that's a whole nother conversation about whether or not Satan's like a literal being but Satan and evil is like well I'm getting myself in trouble here but (laughs) I love it I get myself in trouble all the time (laughs) no I don't I think like like that just like is so profound like exactly what you said like wouldn't Satan want you to turn Mm -hmm. away versus like I it's almost it's it's par- it's different but it's parallel to um a few episodes ago we had an episode about women in ministry and uh the our pastor that was on Hannah she literally talked about like okay like even if I get to heaven and was wrong about women in ministry like more people are there versus if I yeah. was like women can't preach less people will be there so I'm gonna <laughs> keep doing me and I this, I think this applies to the same thing of sure like if we get to heaven and I don't think I don't think God's going to be like, you were wrong. But if God's like, oh, frick, you were wrong. 
<laughs> more people are still going to be there and isn't that the goal of like people being like oh we want we want to disciple people and evangelize that okay isn't your goal that people are going to meet god and like be united with him for eternity yeah and, so- and <laughs> if you if you believe in satan and the enemy being like this real thing right which like a person or yeah mm-hmm. which i don't i think humans are humans or humans are Anyways, I'm going to get myself in trouble with my, <laughs> exactly. my dad if he ever figures out podcasting. But <laughs> the thing is, like, you you say that God is love, but then you go back and reject love. What greater sin is it to reject love because you don't understand it? What greater sin is it to say your love when God is this, the entirety of God is love, right? God is love. And you love somebody regardless of who they are. Because the same arguments were used against interracial marriage, mm-hmm. right? When you reject love, isn't that rejecting God? And therefore, aren't you the real sinner in that situation? Aren't you the one that's wrong when you are rejecting people for their love? And when you're kicking people out because you don't know how to love gay people, aren't you then the one that's wrong? Yeah, the problem is just like over and over again is that people have different definitions of love. Yeah, And so when loving is saying you're wrong and you're a sinner and this is where your life is taking you when you make these decisions like they think that they're being loving people genuinely are trying to be loving like I don't want to discount that but they don't know how it feels when that's the conversation or they think they're being or I don't know I don't want to be too harsh but people are trying to be loving be harsh (laughs) when they say things like oh well all sins should be treated the same and I agree if a church is going to believe that being queer is a sin then yes you should treat it the same but that's like a really low bar that I think the conversation needs to move like way beyond that it's just like saying that to me is not assuring to me at all because what you're saying is I think you and who you are is a sin and that should be treated the same as all other sins like that doesn't doesn't make me feel better like I get it but but doesn't doesn't that even doesn't that even backfire then because if if they they say that like oh all sins should be treated the same yet that's the only thing they constantly want to talk to you about like yeah wouldn't it be like there's other things in my life that need to be fixed like why don't you focus on something else or like or exactly of just being like okay like so me being gay is the same as I saw you flip that lady off in the church parking lot. Like, let's talk about that, you know, like, mm-hmm. and there's so many things of, I think, yeah, like that equating of, oh, like we need to call it out and it's all treated the same. It's, it's not treated the same because if it's treated the same, you wouldn't harp on this as much as mm-hmm. you do, you know, because there's so many other things that you just let fly by. Right. Like in my family specifically, I have a cousin who's gay and um, as far as I know, he's the only one. Um, and he recently got married in Guadalajara. And Ryan and I traversed the pandemic to be at this wedding, right? We flew. I was an anxious wreck, but we went because out of my entire mother's side of my Mexican family, only five of us showed up. Only five mm. of us were even invited because it would have been rude and disrespectful to invite the Christians to his wedding. So he, mm-hmm. nobody was even sent an invitation. And when speaking to my parents, like he knows not to invite us. And I said, how dare you not love your nephew fully? How dare you? 
And it was to the point where I even considered like canceling my own wedding and like, or even not inviting the people that weren't there. Cause like, if you can't respect my love, a woman who lived with her partner before they were married, lots of premarital sex, you can't respect their love the same. I, yeah. And I, like talk about not treating sin equally right everybody's so happy for me everybody wants me to get pregnant everybody wants my love to flourish and survive and I work at a church so I'm super cool and but I'm also a little crazy so not that cool (laughs) Um, but their love is deemed less than mine their life is deemed less than mine and they are not loved equally he only shows up once a year to see the family on Christmas Eve because that's as much as he can stand yeah. Because everything. Can you hear me now? Oh, there we go. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Because everyone in the family? Yes, everyone in your family. Yeah, everybody in my family rejects me. Sorry for the outtake, everybody. But... I'll edit it out, it's fine. And, yeah, I had one aunt who straight up messaged me because I posted on my Facebook saying, I'm so happy to be a witness to this God-given love. And she's like, how dare you say that? How do you lie to them? How dare you tell people when the Bible so clearly says that the homosexuals are going to hell and blah, blah, blah. And I just was like, I'm not going to have this conversation. And also, you're divorced. Doesn't the Bible condemn that too, lady? Excuse me? I didn't say that. I was much more respectful, and she's not really listening. Yeah. To and if they tell it, I'll say it to her face. I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, it's just the hypocrisy of it all, right? Like you, you, these people are the same ones that say all sin should be equal, but I don't think that's true. I do not hold a liar at the same caliber as a murderer. That's like not. I think they should be forgiven mm-hmm. at the same rate, right? But it's not the same these sins are not the same and to say so is a lie especially since you don't actually treat yeah. them that way it's totally a cop-out too um yeah. and i think it, i think it's similar to like the lack of clarity which i just listened to your podcast this morning where you touched on that um clarity is, is that, reasonable <laughs> yes is that like i think that churches and people aren't out front like they don't put it on their website because they know it's hurtful which to me says that somewhere they know that it's wrong mm-hmm. but they're still gonna stand by it and you know it's hard to like work through what the bible says but I don't know to me that just tells me that they know that it's wrong they know that it hurts people but because it fits into their idea of love that's what happens um which again is fine but to not be upfront about it like I had to which again I didn't know I was queer when I started going to church but I um you know it's not on their website I just assumed and then I had to like find out that the denomination and then I went like to the denomination's website and then I looked through their policies and then I made assumptions based on that and then later started hearing like honestly like through the grapevine sort of stuff where my friend's like oh I I think that um like to be a member you have to agree to marriage being between a man and a woman and I was like so that's why I wouldn't become a member before and I was very vocal about that too before I ever even realized that it affected me I wasn't willing to 
compromise that, but I don't know where I'm going with that, but. <laughs> so when you, when you're like, they know it's hurtful and they don't put it on their website. Like, honestly, like that, that even makes me a little bit more mad because then at that point, like, you know, it's hurtful, but you'd rather say it to somebody's face and like be in community with them and grow a relationship and then hurt them. Yeah. Instead yeah. of like what I said in the podcast uh, for last week of just like, I don't want to set my friends up for failure or for heartbreak mm-hmm. or anything like that, because you, you don't think clarity is reasonable when it is. And just like I said last time, like, I'm not asking you to change your beliefs. Like you have that religious freedom, you have that religious right, like that's you. And, and so I'm not asking you to change that. But what I am asking is that you be upfront because the church has caused so much hurt that we need this. Like we need clarity. Like there's no other way to say it. Like, I just want you to be upfront. I want you to be honest about it. Yeah. Cause the only yeah. message that that sends is that the church is more comfortable with abuse and abusing people than honesty. And I mean, yeah. that's been proven time and time again, right? How many of these youth pastors come out having abused their youth youths and these women or these children or whoever coming up up front about it and saying like hey senior leadership board this is what happened with this youth pastor and they say you need to keep your mouth shut because you probably don't know what you're talking about you invited it or blah 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 how many how many people's stories is that right so the church if they want to rectify any part of evangelicalism if they want to hold true to their beliefs then you need to be bold you need to go forth boldly into the world and say i don't like gay people because that's what you believe and if that's truly what you think then shouldn't you be bold about it shouldn't you be upfront about it or are you really embarrassed are you really like not sure because you don't want to put it on your website that's that's the message yeah and i do think it's different i think there needs to be well this is where i'm at right now i might not be like in a few years i don't know like there is like necessary space for people to be unsure because all of us were unsure at some mm-hmm. point, right? But what I, I think what I wish I would have known too was that there were lines drawn that I can't get past and whether or not that was when I wasn't out to people, but I still like hit those lines. And I, that would have been nice to know that there's not, there ended up being not enough room for me to even theologically disagree um, because <clears throat> there wasn't like room. Cause what I see all the time is that I could be wrong about so many things, mm-hmm. which I think is what a lot of people like after deconstruction say, cause we've learned that like yeah. beliefs, like you shouldn't hold them so tightly. Um, but when people aren't saying that, and then the pastor says like, we're never visiting the theology again it's just what do you what I don't know what is expected um I mean the key I have a example of that (laughs) but so this was like I think a key moment for me um I see it differently now than I did then but there was an event held by the church um and I do want to say a disclaimer I still love people that go to this church and I am not saying everyone's horrible it's just that 
things need to be different and they also know that things need to be different so I'm just confirming that um (laughs) so anyways there was this event held and this was after I had talked to several different people in leadership about my beliefs and I was doing that without telling them that it affected me without fully knowing that it affected me myself and so I just like increasingly was like oh this is getting more painful I wonder why (laughs) so I was like entering into these spaces like as an ally but like I said earlier like feeling the pain of it affecting me myself and when you enter into conversations as an ally you're gonna hear more because people are like oh this is someone that's just like advocating on behalf I can say these like homophobic things I can say this um Anyways, and so this event was hosted after, like, it was kind of the culmination of these conversations that I had been having, Um, and it was to address LGBTQ issues, and there was a bullet point on the sheet of the handout that they gave me, which is basically saying, like, oh, is there room for theological disagreement, or is there room for me to theologically disagree in the church? And I was like focused in on that bullet point and I eventually got the bravery to like raise my hand. It was towards the end. And I I literally started crying when I shared this. And so, I mean, people are probably not that surprised that I'm (laughs) queer because it was like so personal to me, but um, I was just like, I think you want to know this, that I don't think that there's room for me. I can feel the lines that are drawn it feels like there's four walls and I'm standing on the outside of it um and I literally (laughs) said this to them and I didn't expect like an in-depth response like it wasn't a question but and then I felt like you know what I was told was that there was room for not disagreement there's room for processing and so if someone there's room for someone to question their theology but you and this isn't so much of Christianity you can only land on one answer And that's what also makes it so hard to figure out your identity because there's only one safe answer. You know, I think our bodies try to protect ourselves. And I think that's why it took me longer. It's because my body's like, well, okay, you're questioning things, but if you land on this side and you're not straight, you're not going to be safe. You're going to lose things. And so obviously naturally that's when the like (laughs) battle comes in of like, why would I want to accept that when it's going to be harder but eventually you have to um I don't know there just wasn't room for me in those spaces to make that kind of self-reconciliation um yeah and so after that and I it just like increasingly got harder and more painful and it's really interesting too because I saw that as like a pivotal moment of like that was right before I applied to seminary And I was like, oh, this is why I'm going to go to seminary and be in church spaces is because like I need to have these hard conversations. And I agree, I fully support hard conversations. But I like realized when I was writing my new seminary application essay that I like equated the pain with like that was something I had to do. And that was something that had to be a part of ministry. And that's not that pain isn't a part of it, but that specific pain, it was like totally correlated. And so I was like, oh, this is my mission. This is why I'm here. But I was like 
and I felt that I was like standing in the circle when we were praying at the end I was literally crying and that's what I was thinking like oh wow the church is so beautiful like that's so twisted and it's like that was a really sad realization where I was like wait a second (laughs) I was like putting these things together and they don't belong together yeah I think that's why I've been sorry real quick uh go for it Oh, sorry. I was going to say, that's why I'm so passionate about the church that Spencer and I go to, is because there's always room for different theological beliefs about different things. We have a whole event around it once a month, Theology on Tap. You drink beer, you talk about your different theological beliefs, and if you disagree, that's fine. And then you oh, move I love on. That. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Spencer. Um, well, so what I was, what you, you'd start off with saying, like, you, like, like, there is a gray area. Like, there are places where, like, yeah, like, people can disagree and, like, and all of that. But you kind of, I don't know if, like, you got to this point where you're, like, but there's also these times where, oh, yeah, there's room for this gray. But if you don't end up on this one answer, then, like, you, then mm-hmm. you're, like, not in. And um, that very much was when I, when I was in college, like, getting my ministry degree, I worked at a church that, um especially with APU is a very popular church and I, I loved it. I still love deeply, deeply love people that not only attend that church, but work at that church. And, um, I, I work there knowing that it was one of those, um, it was never like addressed publicly. And I was cool with it because I was like, yeah, like, it's like exactly what you said. Like, it's the gray area. Like there's definitely people that are affirming there's definitely people that aren't affirming but that's okay because like that's what the kingdom of god is all about you know mm-hmm. and so i was i was cool with it for um about two years like the t- uh, first two years i was there and then the last um six to nine months i was there um this event happened that really made it clear of like okay yeah like there's room for difference but when push comes to shove if you don't land on this one topic then there's no room, there's no space for this. Mm-hmm. And I, especially when that happened, I was still in my senior year doing my senior internship, working for them. I couldn't just be like, I'm out yeah. because I, I needed this to graduate. And again, also my, um, my boss at the time, she no longer works there. Um, but, uh, we're, we're still in contact to this day. She's a great mentor to me. And, um, I was learning so much from her and now being post that, like, having conversations of us both being like, yeah, that was a really hard season to be in because of that exact thing of both of us realizing like there are certain things that this hard line comes to. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know, like, I, I agree with you. Like I, I'm definitely like, I'm definitely willing to walk into places where is there is gray area, but also recognizing the privilege I have in that because I, I'm, I'm a married white woman. Like there's very little consequences for me. If things don't, if things don't quote unquote, go my way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like if I walk into this church that has this sort of like, oh yeah, like we're wrestling in it. And then I find out that like, oh no, they aren't open and affirming. Um, there's very little consequences for me and my husband in that. And I have to recognize that I have to recognize that like, okay, like not everybody gets that privilege. And I understand why there are people who refuse to go to churches that aren't clear, that aren't open and affirming and clear about it. Um, and so, yeah, like I, 
I don't know, like it's just, it's a really hard space to be in because um, what Josie and I have talked about before, I am a deep believer of like progress can be made, but I think there are certain situations where you find out where the progress ends. Yeah. And I don't know, that's like a hard, a hard balance, I guess. Yeah. And to like, it's so painful to run into that. Um, You know, that's what I found when I started having these conversations is one of the books I read is Torn by Justin Lee. And that one's really good about um, balancing like or talking about bridging the gaps between conservatives and progressives and having that conversation. And so I read that and I was so excited. I was like, oh, this is what this church can be. And then I brought that to someone. one of the leaders and he was like oh yeah that's never gonna happen which was honest which is good Mm -hmm. but I was just like dreams were just squashed (laughs) so fast where I was like oh wow I really had this vision of like agreeing to disagree which I actually don't think is good enough but that's like a step yeah um it's a space that is is livable (laughs) yeah well that's technically that's what the church I'm at now is technically um and agree to disagree but which some people do disagree on I'm pretty comfortable in it because I could be a pastor there like well maybe well yeah there's no like limits to leadership like and so to me that's affirming they just Mm -hmm. say it's not officially an affirming church because there's supposed to be room for that disagreement um but I don't know where I'm going with that but yeah, no, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I think uh, well, what you what you were explaining about like this moment of like heartbreak. I think for a lot oh, yeah. of, I think a lot of, um, I know I've had that too. Of like I said, I had that with the church that I was a member of for so long. That I think when you first start, I don't know if this is true for everybody, but I know for me when I first started deconstructing, it was almost like this fire of like, oh my gosh, like things can change, and having this like this glossed glaze over of like dang things are horrible but they don't always have to be horrible and then you get to a place where you're like dang some places really just want to choose to be horrible (laughs) yeah that's really interesting I feel like I was so bitter for so long about um Christianity I guess it was at this church that I (laughs) (laughs) I I think the reason and again I think honestly I think the reason I'm I'm not bitter I mean yeah there is a there was a time where I, I think I was bitter maybe bitter about certain topics not as a whole and I truly believe it's because I escaped a lot of ingraining as a child oh, yeah. because I became True. a Christian when I was a teenager and I wasn't raised around certain things like yeah like purity culture impacted me but it wasn't the same way as my friends who seven, eight years old were being told that they needed to hide their body, you know? And again, I think parody culture even impacted me differently because I'm a plus size woman and plus size bodies are over-sexualized because mm-hmm. we tend to have bigger breasts and bigger butts mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, like there are definitely things that have scarred me or like left me bitter, but I, I think, yeah, like deconstructing was almost like it was almost saved me from bitterness because I was at the point of becoming bitter because the church I did become a believer in, um, wasn't egalitarian. So women couldn't be pastors there. Mm -hmm. So then going to APU and starting this deconstruction of being like, Oh, women can be pastors. And like, there's room for people. Like there are people that believe that homosexuality isn't a sin. 
So I think that's why for me, like I escaped a lot of the bitterness because I wasn't in it long enough to fully be bitter. But again, like I totally, I have friends that are bitter. Um, I'm sure there's people in my family that grew up in Christianity a lot longer than me that are bitter. So, Yeah, I think the only hard line there should be in Christianity is uh, to love God and love your neighbor, which is, I think, what the Bible says, if I, you know, <laughs> The greatest commandments. <laughs> yeah. Jesus might have said something like that. Mm. I think he said these are the greatest of all, you know, something like that. <laughs> Burn! Oh my gosh. Well, Laura, any final thoughts? Um, I think, I mean, I think I probably have a lot of final thoughts, but <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to think about this, like going out to people that don't know this about me yet, but I'm I ready to being... fight, Laura. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'm going to throw hands. <laughs> So I guess be nice to me. Um, but, <laughs> but actually, I think I want, like, part of the reason I, like, yes, I'm doing this for myself because I've been, like, open and vocal on, like, in the internet world. That's why it felt inauthentic for me to not bring this forward as well and just be, like, fully integrated. So, yes, it's for myself, but it's also for other people. Like, I know there's people that are in the closet. I know there's people that are struggling that follow me. Every time I post something about sexuality, there's people that thank me for it. And so it's for me, but it's, like, very much so for them. And so if anyone ever wants to reach out to me, I would absolutely love that. I'm not super experienced, but I love listening to people. Nothing scares me away I've thought all the thoughts had all the questions so Mm. I mean that's like and that's why I'm going to seminary too is to like hold that space for people because those things don't scare me I just want people to have more options um than what they've been taught so if you want more options you want to talk please reach out to me I think that's what I would want to say um I just want everyone to be able to feel whole and loved which I don't even think I'm quite there yet so we can do that together (laughs) Um, oh Laura where can I find you where can I reach out to you um well Instagram I guess is where I mostly post things which is just Laura Lacombe and should I spell that or I think you'll probably we'll have it in the show notes (laughs) 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 so and I mean there I have like my website where I write hopefully I'm not a very good consistent writer, but I am taking a break from school right now. So maybe I might join the Twitter world eventually, but mm, mostly Instagram. Twitter. Twitter's <laughs> a little hellscape that I love so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, Spencer, where can they find us? They can find us on Instagram at Speaking in Church. They can find us on Twitter at Speaking Church. And if y'all want to email us and talk trash, uh, it's speakinginchurch at gmail.com. And our personal handles are I am Josie Takes the World on Instagram and Josie Takes the on Twitter. Spencer is Spence Rose on Instagram and oh, I forget the Twitter one all the time. Uh, Snowball underscore. Snowball underscore on Twitter. Come at us or be nice to us, be mean to us. If you're going to be mean, be mean to me because I'm, you know, rough and tough. I'm an Enneagram 4. Please don't be mean to me. So <laughs> with all that being said, friends... Welcome to the podcast. Keep on listening. Keep on coming back. 
Stay woke or get woke. And Jesus loves you. Bye.